welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a podcast series focused on Intel Select Solutions, a suite of verified solution configurations that can help IT teams meet the demanding needs of a growing infrastructure. Here's your host, Jake Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. This is Jake Smith, and welcome to Conversations in the Cloud. I'm joined today by a fellow Intel employee and one of the best solutions architects in the company. Ken Letourneau joins us, who is a solution architect for Intel's data center group. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jake. Glad to be here. Now, Ken is a subject matter expert on SQL solutions, but he's also someone who I've had the pleasure to work with over the last several years across a variety of workloads. But one of the things that's consistent, it seems to me, Ken, is this commitment to data and managing big data. Can you talk a little bit about how do you manage the data deluge? I think it's an amazing title. And talk a little bit about your background for the listeners. Uh, Sure thing, Jake. I walked into Intel at 20 years old as an intern and was tasked with developing and supporting our internal homepage, our employee portal, if you will, and learned early on that an environment like that for a company as large as Intel, yes, there's a lot of data and there's a lot of expectations just around availability, performance, and UX, you know, user experience. So it was imprinted at a very early age just to be kind of sensitive to the needs of our customer base. And whether that was, again, collaboration tools or just getting their daily updates on what the company's doing, It was very nascent back then, very early on in the stages of things. And part of that job got me exposed to database development. And, you know, working back with Microsoft SQL Server in the 6.5 days, according that to 7.0 in the early 2000s, the advent of .NET. So, you know, started out with classic ASP applications. Those matured into ASP.NET. And all that time, you know, every time we migrated a website or upgraded an application, not only was there new data coming from other sources, it felt like we were always carrying forward all of our old data as well. And so things just got bigger, harder to manage. Of course, software advancements were coming along, hardware advancements were coming along. Uh, did that job for a while and went back into more of an infrastructure support role where I saw the other side of the coin. So as a developer, I was always like, I need this resource, I need that resource. Why are you telling me I can't have it? Why is it not around when I need it? And then worked on the other side of the store and said, wow, okay, I can be, maybe understand the answers to why there were challenges. You know, I wasn't the only one asking for something. I wasn't the only one trying to consume something. Uh, so I got a nice perspective there how to manage compute, how to manage network, how to manage storage. And then uh, I thought it'd be fun to go do some actual product work. Went and joined our graphics software development group, focused on automating our graphics builds and our graphics validation suites. You know, we were feeding in thousands of builds and tens of thousands of test results a day, trying to pull back you know, insights and analytics on those, what's failing, what's passing, what looks like an actual issue, what might be noise in the system, and kind of the recurring thing there did become, you know, data was becoming critical path. So that got me interested in kind of some of the storage, you know, access patterns, problems, challenges we were facing. And I went and joined our solid state drive business unit. And so there I got a little more exposed to patterns and practices in the industry for dealing with some of these problems. And so that brought me eventually to our data center group. It's a broader solutions architect role, a little less storage focused, but I have that storage background. And so the last couple of years here, I've been focused predominantly on Microsoft, and a good chunk of that is on Microsoft's uh, SQL Server. And as uh, kind of the lead architect, if you will, for our Intel Select Solutions for SQL, uh, we brought a few to market. Uh, we've tried to go after specific workloads, specific scenarios, uh, and align those with kind of our own experience or my own experience in Intel IT, our customers' experiences. And uh, I know you and I have worked together for several years, so our paths crossed there. Certainly in the last four or five, we've been in some similar circles. Yeah, I was a director in NSG for some time, a GM in NSG for a while, and then took a different role and then came over to work and 
manage data center technologies for Lisa Spellman over the last three years. So that's where we spent the most amount of time together. But talk a little bit for our listeners about what you're doing specifically on Intel Select Solutions for Microsoft SQL Server and the version 2 that's coming soon. So with our version 2 Intel Select Solutions for SQL Server, we are going a couple of new directions that we didn't do on our version 1 designs. Our version 1 designs were very workload-focused. We came out with one tailored specifically for business operations or a highly transactional environment. And alongside that one, we came up with another design tailored to enterprise data warehouse or analytics-type workloads. They're for people that have a very targeted deployment. And with our version 2 family of solutions, we said, well, let's get more maybe perhaps general purpose and maybe give a, a nod out to a multi-tenant type environment. So in those environments, things get a little more complicated. You may have multiple databases, multiple containers or virtual machines sharing some physical resources. And we want to provide kind of that same level of expectations of service we were getting with our V1 designs, but bring it to another level where multiple applications could be sharing that same infrastructure and still having a reliable SLA or a high quality of service. And we're doing that with some of the new features in SQL Server, our version 2 solutions, kind of put a four version of SQL Server, if you will, at SQL Server 17. Uh, that opened up some new possibilities for us. And we tied it also to Intel Optimum DC Persistent Memory, a new technology that we brought out. And there is support for that in the newer Linux distros and along with Windows Server 2019. So we wanted to see if we could tie all those together and kind of tell that multi-tenant story with our solutions for SQL Server. There's a couple of interesting aspects we could play with. One is Intel Optimum DC Persistent Memory can be system memory. And more memory in your database environment or your virtualization environment is almost always a good thing. Either it can allow greater density for your tenants or it can give those existing tenants more headroom to process larger working sets. So it's kind of a, a win-win when you look at either way. You can do more work in the same amount of space or you can have the same amount of space and ruin in that space doing more work. Um, unique to the Linux front, we're trying to do something new with containerized SQL Server, which is uh, specific to the SQL Server offerings on Linux right now. I know Microsoft has communicated publicly that they're in tech preview with containers for Windows Server. So that's something we might look at in the future. So our first Linux solution with containers, we're looking at you know how many containers can we stack onto our servers, all running at a guaranteed or at least a minimum level of service before you'd have to worry about scaling that environment out by another server purchase. One of the things that our listeners would be curious about is why did we make these design decisions and what does Optane Data Center Persistent Memory really mean for these designs alongside Intel Optane Data Center SSDs? You and I have been working in the idea that millions of IOPS are commonplace in solutions today, but not all our listeners are there. So can you talk a little bit about our multi-million IOPS design philosophy? When you start bringing in multiple tenants or competing SQL Server databases, applications that are all asking for data, either to or from the underlying storage, it creates a situation where there's more I.O. than traditional storage can handle. And it's one thing to have a really high IOPS number, but you want also kind of a quality of service associated with those IOPS. Also keep in mind, right, that traditional man flash is a consumable resource. So it does wear over time. That's something we call like an endurance rating on it. And with our Optane family of products, both DCs persistent memory and our Optane solid state drives, we have products out there that not only have those high IOPS capabilities, but they have much higher endurance and they have much higher quality of service profile associated with them as well. So my response time from just running 100 or 1,000 IOPS might be, you know, in a few microseconds of device level or milliseconds from application level. With those products, you can scale those IOPS 10,000, 100,000, 500,000, and the quality of service remains the same. 
traditional flash type products, that's where things start to deteriorate. And so that's absolutely you know, one of the considerations we take into this design. And that applies also not just to like multi-tenant virtualization environments, but you start getting into larger scale analytics databases where you might have a system, you know, we're packing what, 28 cores per socket with our second gen Z unscalable products today. You put that into a two socket or four socket box and with hyper-threading enabled, you're getting into the hundreds of threads possibly SQL Server has at its disposal to do some querying in parallel. And so when you have that many threads racing each other to go ask for the same data, perform some operation, merge your results, you need storage to have, you know, not just the bandwidth to access all that data, but the low latency response times to feed those CPUs. You know, low latency is key and core to our design philosophy. Obviously, we would design a latency-free architecture if it was humanly possible, but we're getting there. But it's going to take some AI to get us there. So can you talk a little bit about why Intel Select is a valuable solution approach in this space? When we talk about, ideally, we have zero latency. Our, you know, our Optane family of products, Intel Optane DC% of memory actually sits on the memory bus, and we can't say that for traditional storage, right? So there's there's nice latency reduction there as well. You know, put that data as close to the CPU as you can. Yeah. But why we feel Intel Select solutions for SQL are a good choice? Well, we've done a lot of homework with our ISV partners and our ecosystem. We come up with you know, what we feel are relevant industry benchmarks. So when we make these design choices, we start tuning knobs, turning dials, and running these workloads on our solutions to say, okay, this looks like a compelling performance point. Now let's go do some cost analysis turn some more dials. Uh, we will optimize, is the key word there, kind of the components in the design for the workload and then level of performance we're trying to achieve. And so we do this validation exercise internally, sometimes several weeks, several months process, depending on the solution. And then we come up with a very prescriptive reference design for all of our partners to take as a blueprint to bring their own solutions to market with a very high degree of confidence, knowing that we've done all this homework internally, that their end product will perform at least as well as what we've offered to them if not better, or add some additional value from their perspective as well. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between Microsoft SQL and Linux? I think it's a wonderful transition for the industry, and I think it showcases the flexibility of a great database technology. Oh, I think it's fantastic what Microsoft has done there. Seeing it run on Linux and kind of the possibilities that opens, you know, I, I'm on a technology committee for the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, and they're a nonprofit to start. They were looking for a database solution for taking our production backups, and I pointed in the direction of, well, I know you guys are an open-source shop, a predominantly Linux shop. A day later, I hear back, like, oh, yeah, I just downloaded the Docker image, deployed it to my server, and I haven't touched it in a month. It's been fantastic. But from a developer perspective, it's kind of this old Java mantra, too, right? Being right once, run anywhere. I can take a Windows Server backup of a SQL Server database, and I've done this many times as part of our solution development, just restore it right onto a Linux machine. It works exactly the same. And you've got you know, flexibility there in that Linux community as well. They picked three major vendors for support there. You've got your Ubuntu builds, your Tuesday builds, and your Red Hat builds. So anyone already running Linux, this is something I think they should be looking at. You know, With lack of Windows Server in their environment was an impediment to looking at SQL. They should definitely take a look at it now. There's also some innovation happening in the SQL space on the Linux side that's maybe a little bit ahead of the Windows side. Microsoft has announced in SQL Server 19 you know, support for what we call app direct mode of Optane DC persistent memory. Linux is actually supporting two features related to that, whereas Windows Server is only supporting one initially. Again, there's an innovation curve, and you want to be on the cusp of it, and they are always working. I think the goal there is really just to say, hey, from a performance and experience perspective, the end user shouldn't be able to tell if SQL Server is running on Linux or Windows Server. They're really striving to make performance parity, feature parity. So that just gives you know hosters a broader choice, developers a broader choice. I think, I think everyone wins in that scenario. 
Well, I completely agree, Ken. Can you give our listeners two final thoughts? Where can they find out more information, number one? And number two, where's the future headed for uh, this data deluge? Future data deluge. I think what you're going to see there is, I think you're going to see some changing in the industry landscape. And there's a real risk for companies going the way of the dodo if they can't adapt to the deluge and start getting some actual value out of all the data that's coming in. My recurring joke on this is, you know, we hear that data is doubling every two years. And I like to say it's not all cat videos. Some of it actually has value beyond entertainment. More and more, as you'll see more companies walking what we call the analytics maturity curve. And the further up that curve you get, that's where you start really seeing the return on the investments in your data platform or your analytics platforms. So I know I answered your second question first. Where to get more info on this? You know, quick Google search at Intel Select Solutions will bring up everything we have, inclusive of SQL Server. That's a good starting point. We have a lot of microsites out there that devote adopting technology. I'm happy to report we've done our proper search engine optimizations. And if you go straight to Google and say, Intel Select Solutions for SQL Server, it's always a number one hit. Well, on behalf of Conversations in the Cloud and Intel, I want to thank Ken Letourneau for joining us this morning. Wherever you may be in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and or good evening. We'll be right back.